Hey, thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message today, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Dr. Julie Ration is here to share her testimony with us. Uh, Dr. Ration is the Director of Assessment and Accountability at the Coweta County Board of Education. She's been a first grade teacher, fourth grade teacher, assistant principal, and a principal before uh, going up into the uh, main office of the Board of Education in Coweta. She and her husband David have two children, one's in high school, one's in college, and uh, it's great to have uh, Dr. Julie Ration here. I want you to welcome her. Good morning. It is truly, that is bright lights. I'm going to walk this way. There you go. You can leave me in the dark. I like that. Um, It is really an honor to be here today. It is a beautiful church, but I have to be very honest. Um, The greatest joy today are seeing my little Brooks Broncos out there. What a, that have now grown and big Brooks Broncos. So I see you, Lindley. Hey, Um, my testimony really revolves around school. Um, When I was growing up, I'm a proud army brat. And for my family, we moved about every year and a half. Um, I attended nine schools before I graduated high school. And when we moved, um, my mother and father, their first priority was to always find the right school. The second priority when we moved to the city was to always find the right church. And so for me and my little sister, our stability was our schools and our churches. They became our homes away from home. When you're an army brat, your home is your parents and your sibling because you move so often and so frequently. Um, My dad went to seminary before he decided to join the army. And so in my family, it was faith, family, country, and then friends. And that's really how my life has revolved. Um, When I was about 10 years old, we moved from Germany to Enterprise, Alabama. And um, sitting in church on Father's Day Sunday, singing all the lovely songs, my heart started pounding. And I told my mom something was wrong. I I really thought I was like getting sick. I think she thought I was just trying to exit the service. And the longer I sat there, the more my heart pounded. And I truly believe you could have seen my chest moving. As we got up to sing the doxology, as the pastor came forward to do invitation, I jumped out of the, out of the, Um, balcony. We were in the balcony and literally went running down the stairs, down the front of the church. I can hear my dad following behind me. Julie, slow down. Julie, what's wrong? Julie, slow down. And when I got up there and told brother Bill, this was my decision. I was ready to accept the Lord. It was as clear as standing here today. I knew that second when he knocked on my heart and said, I'm coming. And he has driven and guided every decision in my life. Today, we're here to thank the the teachers and the educators. How many of you are preschool teachers, elementary teachers? God bless you, middle school teachers. Come on, hands up, be proud. How many of you are Sunday school teachers or GA teachers or youth group teachers? How many of you are parents? Parents are our greatest teachers that we have. I'm a firm believer that children don't care what you know till they know that you care. And re-watching this video for a second time, it hit me. There's a theme in all of those short clips. Um, 
They didn't care what their teacher knew. It mattered that their teacher connected with them, that they loved them, that they saw them for a person and not a student. So as we leave today, it is definitely my honor first to thank the teachers out there. You are the reason that I am who I am today. You are the reason my children are who they are today. And as you go out today, please remember that those children are watching you. They're learning from you and you're guiding them in the people that they will be. When I think about our country, I know that there's only one person that can save our country. But after him, it is our children. They are our future and they are our hope. And we have to help them become the best they can be. So thank you for having me today. Thank you most importantly for honoring educators and for being the difference in their lives. Thanks, girl. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. If you are an educator or a former educator or retired educator, would you please stand, all of you? All of you, stand up so we can see you. Go ahead. Come on. See you. All right. Thank you all so very much. I appreciate you very much. Last week, we... Uh, we're still in this hero series, and we ask as many folks as would like to to wear a super, their favorite superhero T-shirt, right? And we also had a little competition among all the Sunday school classes, uh, and we said that the class that had the highest percentage of folks dressed in their superhero T-shirt would be recognized today, and so we want to do that. I think we have a slide. It's the second and third grade class, and there they are, the class and the teachers. Dressed up. There you are. And, of course, there's Batman right in the middle of it. Batman, yep. All right. Thank you so much, second and third graders. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all very much. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 13, the Gospel of John chapter 13. When I think about uh, the teachers that had an impact on my life, immediately I think about my first grade teacher, Grace Housley, who also gave me my first paddling in school, but I loved her dearly. Miss Edith Wright, uh, who passed away uh, last year. I remember her. I remember uh, my sixth and seventh grade homeroom teacher, Carolyn Hicks. She made such an impact on my life. Lisa Wilson in ninth and tenth grade because she understood me when nobody else seemed to. And then Joy Daniel, who was my, theater, uh, my uh, uh, dramatic uh, theater uh, teacher in, in uh, senior, the senior class. I was in the senior play, and she was our director. I think about uh, Dr. Harold Bryson in seminary. And, and our teachers pour into us so much of themselves that, that all of us are the product of what they've done for us. And I'm so appreciative to the teachers who are here and the teachers in my life. John chapter 13 is one example of Jesus being the master teacher. Let's look at beginning with verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. 
After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Well then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, although not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. When I think about the different titles we give for Jesus, I call him my Savior. We call him Savior and Lord. Sometimes we call him the Christ or the Messiah. Sometimes we refer to him as our Redeemer, our Heavenly Father. But when you look in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and think about the many times that he was called something by the people who knew him best, there were 90 different times that people called him some title. And 60 of those 90 times, they called him teacher. The people who knew Jesus best called him, more than anything else, a teacher, their master teacher. His disciples, that was the most common term that they used to describe Jesus. The multitudes who followed him, uh, the most common term that they used when they addressed him was teacher. In fact, in John chapter 13, verse 13, a verse that I already read to you, Jesus said, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus, a religious leader and member of the Jewish Sanhedrin, the equivalent of the Supreme Court uh, in, in their day, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night in John chapter 3, and he said to Jesus, he says, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the works that you do unless God is with him. In uh, John chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 7, the very last verses at the end of the Sermon on the Mount that encompasses Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Matthew says when Jesus finished speaking, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught uh, as one who had authority, not as the scribes or the teachers of the law. Jesus was a master teacher. And when we look back on his life, being a teacher, a great teacher, is one of the things that we remember most about him. But I want to address a question this morning. What was it about Jesus that made him such a master teacher? What traits did he possess 
that lead us even now to conclude that he was a master teacher. I want to give you five traits of Jesus that I believe lead us to that conclusion. The first one is this. When Jesus taught, he kept people spellbound. People were were literally entranced when Jesus was teaching. When he was teaching, it didn't matter how many people were there. If it was 12, as in the case of his disciples, or three, as in the case of James, Peter, and John, or if it was uh, multiple thousands of people, while he was teaching, you could hear socks drop because he kept people spellbound. They were hanging on to his every word. He had this this gift about him that when he was teaching, people were listening. And this was especially true when in his teaching, he would use stories. I tell the students that I teach uh, in uh, the seminary classes, I tell them, I said, and some of them are, are preachers and teachers, and I told them, I said, when you get ready to preach to your congregation or teach to your students, I urge you not to not to ignore the importance of the stories that you can tell. And I said, I realize that a lot of people in church today, they look down on preachers who tell stories. Because a lot of times whenever a preacher tells a story, he comes out and as people are greeting him, you'll overhear somebody say, well, he's he's a good teacher, but he's a storytelling preacher. Well, Jesus was a storytelling preacher. In fact, his favorite literary device when he preached was telling stories. And he was so good when he taught stories that he didn't even have to tell you what his point was when he got through with the story. His story was so powerful in and of itself that he didn't have to turn around and say, now here's my point. He didn't have to do that because the people he was talking to already knew. My favorite story of Jesus is found in Luke chapter 15. There are three stories there, but it's the final story that's my favorite among the ones in Luke chapter 15. Luke describes Jesus saying there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them, the younger son, uh, went to his father and he said, Father, give me that portion of your estate that would come to me when you die. I'd like to have mine now. And the father divided between his sons his estate. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And while he was there, he wasted everything in his living with rebellious living. And when he had spent all, it just so happened that there arose a mighty famine, a recession in that land. And he found himself in need. And so he went and he got a job with a citizen of that country who was a hog farmer, and he sent this Jewish boy into his hog pen to feed slop to the hogs. And the young boy said that he would gladly have eaten the pods that he was feeding the hogs. He was so hungry, and yet nobody gave him anything. When he came to himself, he thought about the hired servants of his father's. All of his father's hired servants had more bread on their table than they could possibly eat. And he says, here I am perishing, starving with hunger. I know what I'll do. I'll arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be one of your sons. Would you make me, though, as one of your hired servants? And he arose and he started on his journey back to his father. But his father saw him afar off. And when he saw him, he dropped everything in his hands and he ran 
to meet his son, and he grabbed him and gave him a big bear hug, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, he says, Dad, I have sinned against heaven, and right in your presence, I'm not worthy to be your son. But his father turned to his servants, and he says, bring for me the best robe I have and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and put shoes, sandals on his feet. And go kill the fatted calf that's out in the, the pasture. Kill it and let us eat and let us have a party, a celebration. For this is my son. He was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. But Jesus goes on. He said, now the older son was in the field working. And as he drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants out to see what this meant. And the servant said, well, your younger brother has returned home and your father has killed the fatted calf and he's throwing a celebration for him because he's received him home safe and sound. And so the older son became angry, refused to go in the house. And finally his father came out to him and entreated him. And the son said, look, all these years I have obeyed your commands. Never at any time in any way have I ever disobeyed anything you told me to do. And yet, you never so much as killed a goat that I might have a party with my friends. But just as sure as this, your son, who has devoured your living with prostitutes, has come home. You've killed for him the fatted calf. And the father said, my son, you've always been with me. You're always mine. And everything I have is yours. But it was right that we have a celebration. Because this your brother was dead, but is alive again. He was lost and is found. One of the things I love about that story most is, as I said before, when Jesus got to the end of the story, he didn't turn around and say, okay, now that's the story, now let me give you the point. He didn't do that. Because his story, the way he told it, it in so entranced the people that they knew they knew what he was trying to get over to them. Jesus was a master teacher because he held his audience spellbound every time he taught. Second, he was a master teacher because his teaching always had a point. Always had a point. Jesus never preached a pointless sermon. He never taught a pointless lesson. He never made a pointless statement. So careful was Jesus in his teaching that everything he did and everything he said and every lesson he taught was purposeful. It was intentional. Always had a point. Uh, have you ever been in church sometime and the preachers, I don't want you to raise your hand on this. All right, don't raise your hand on this. But have you ever been in church sometimes and the preacher's going on and he's going on, and he's about 15, 20 minutes into his sermon and you look over to the person next to you and say, I have no idea what he's talking about. Don't raise your hand. I, I told you not to raise your hand. Because I know that hasn't happened here in the last 16 years. I know, I know that it hasn't. That never happened with Jesus, though. Every time he taught, people knew he had a point, and they knew what his point was. And that made him a master teacher. Third, he was a master teacher because he lived what he taught. 
None of us appreciate a preacher who says one thing and yet does something else, who never practices what he preaches. And none of us like a teacher who lives, uh, teaches one way but lives a different way so that what she says or he says and what they do, they, they contradict each other. None of us appreciate that. We all appreciate those whose, whose talk is consistent with their walk. And this was always the way Jesus was. Not only did he communicate in a way that, that kept people entranced, but he lived in such a way that when they saw him acting out in public or in private, they saw him living what he taught. Here in this passage in John chapter 13, by this time, this is the night before he's crucified. He's been with them for about three and a half years. The first of those three years, he taught publicly. He did miraculous uh, works in, in public. For the last six months of his ministry, he spent time in private with those disciples, giving them uh, hands-on instructions to prepare them for uh, the start of the church in the book of Acts. But here in this chapter... He finds these disciples arguing over which one of them is the best, which one of them is the strongest, which one of them is the most talented, which of them is the, is the, the, the greatest. And so Jesus is listening to this conversation among his disciples, and at the end of dinner, John says that he got up, took off his outer garment, went over to the entrance of the upper room where they were, and he picked up a towel and he wrapped it around his, his waist and tied it. He reached down and pulled up a basin that had water. And he walks over to the table. And then one by one by one by one, he takes that basin and the towel and he washes the dirty, sandy feet of those disciples. It was the very contradiction of everything they'd been talking about. They were talking about who was the best, and so Jesus gets up and he performs a task washing their dirty feet that usually the most menial slave in the household would perform. The disciples hadn't thought about doing it. They thought they were too big to do that, too good to do that. They were worrying about who was greatest. But Jesus sat down and he performed the slave's duties in to, for each of these disciples. And when he got through he says, do you understand what I've done for you? Do you understand? You call me teacher and Lord, he says, and that's good because that's what I am. But he said, if I, your teacher and Lord, have knelt down and washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. In other words, stop talking about who's the greatest. Stop talking about who can brag better than the others. You start doing service to others. You start living what we've been talking about. Jesus is a master teacher because he lived what he taught. Number four, he's a master teacher because he compelled people to make positive life changes when he taught. You see, it wasn't just that Jesus wanted to be a good teacher, but he wanted to be a teacher who changed people's lives. When I listen to some of the testimonies in our favorite teacher videos, I noticed that all of them chose a teacher as their favorite because that teacher did something in their students that changed their lives. Jesus was about life change. If, if you and I had been to a, a speaking session where Jesus taught or preached, and if we left with our lives not changed, Jesus would have been bitterly sorrowful because he was about life change. 
Most of you are here today because you have given your lives to Christ and you, your physical presence here is evidence that Jesus has done something to change your life. Jesus would be happy about that because he wanted to make positive change in people's lives. Number five, he's a master teacher because more people have experienced life change through Jesus' teaching than through the teaching of any other person. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, we are told, John tells us that Jesus did many more miraculous signs than what are written in his book, the Gospel of John. But he says, he says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life through his name. Jesus changed people's lives. In fact, for those of us who have received Christ, not only has he, has he changed, I hope he's changed, the way that we live, the words that we use, the thoughts that we think, but he has changed our eternal destiny. Nobody could do that, but Jesus has done that. Anyone who has not received Christ as Savior has yet to experience that eternal life change of Jesus. Today, there are almost seven and a half billion people on this planet we share. Two and a half billion of those profess to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I realize that not everybody who professes it possesses it. But let's give them the benefit of a doubt and say that they do. Certainly, the majority of them who profess a relationship with Jesus have a relationship with Jesus and what we're saying, those two and a half billion people, is that Jesus Christ has made a difference in our lives. Now, go back and consider all of the, the billions of people who've ever lived on planet Earth. And keep in mind that it was only 2,000 years ago that Jesus walked the Earth. And look at what a difference He has made in the lives of literally billions of of people. It takes a master teacher to do that. And Jesus was a master teacher. That's the reason we call him a hero in this series. Because nobody could do what Jesus did as well as Jesus did it. My question for you this morning is, is Jesus your hero? Have you invited him into your life to be your Savior and Lord? Can you tell anybody about it? Is that experience so vivid for you that you can share that experience with anybody else? Do you know Jesus? If you have never received Christ, we're about to have an invitation where the band will come and play, and I invite you to come and invite Christ into your life. If you are a Christian, and you can tell people about how you came to know Christ, what is Christ doing in your life right now? What is he doing? What are you allowing him to do that, will, that changes your life and makes you better today than you were yesterday? Is there something you need to do, a decision you need to make today? Have you joined a local church? Are you active in a local church? Christ died for the church. He loves the church and he wants people to be active in the church. Have you joined the church? This is a good time to do it right now. What decision do you need to make? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have had this morning to honor the teachers, whether it was in preschool, elementary school, middle grade school, high school, college, 
Sunday school, small group, moms or dads who poured their lives into us and made us better. And Lord, we, we praise you because you are the ultimate master teacher. In every way, you exceeded all qualifications for being the master teacher. And now, Lord, as you have every time you taught, you call for your people to make a decision for you. Some people will need to come here this morning to receive you for the very first time. Others will need to come and join this church. Others just need to come and either pray at the altar or worship at the altar. Lord, I pray that this would be a moment of life change for some folks in this building right now. In Jesus' name, amen.